We're in our 2020 Do More series, and today we're going to be talking about love more. We're going to talk about loving more, and I'm going to talk about the different ways that we can really be vessels of love. Because, I, I mean, again, to be a, a person who is full of love in the hour that we're living in is very hard. We're living in an extremely angry world where people are beginning to define themselves by their political parties, by their ideologies, and it seems that, you know, whatever ideology they hold on to, they become, they're, own, they're so dogmatic, they're militant about it, and we can no longer see that the other person just has an opposing view. No, they're my enemy. And this is part of the, uh, the devil's end time strategy because we have become an opponent of opposing strategies and this is laying the groundwork for what I believe will be the greatest attack that we will see coming towards the church as we move into the end times. And so there's an ideology clash that begins to happen. And no longer can the ideologies coexist and recognize, hey, we just believe different things. No, they become militant one against the other. And we're seeing spiritual warfare manifest in the flesh now like never before. The thing that's going to define the church in the last days is not going to be your ideology. It's not going to be your dogma. It's not going to be your argument. It's going to be your love. Mark chapter 12, verses 32 to 34. Well said, teacher, the man replied, you are right, saying that God is the one and there is no other but Him. To love Him with all of your heart. Just that statement alone will take you your entire life to fulfill. How I many you know what I mean? Just when you think you've arrived, God asks for more. <laughs> Just when you think you've got it sorted out, you mess up and God needs to correct you, right? He says, we love Him with all of our heart, with all of our understanding. Well, some of us have more understanding than others. I think I'm a pretty simple person. And my understanding is, I've tried to keep it simple over the years. But this world and this life makes it complicated, doesn't it? It says, with all of your strength. Why the word strength? Because the battle makes us tired. Listening to everything that's going on, any channel right now, anything you see, it's just ad nauseum. It's ridiculous. I mean, I've never seen grown-ups, professionals act more like babies. And to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. I mean, Jesus is saying, listen, love is the deciding factor. It's more important than everything else. It's more important than all the religious things you do. Because religious things, by the way, really just simply means that you're doing a ritualistic practice. Something you do over and over and over. God says here that that doesn't matter. That we have got to love our neighbor as ourselves. And some of you are going, well, I don't like myself. Yeah, you do. Yes, you do. No, I don't. I don't hate myself. Believe it or not, self-hatred is actually a form of self-obsession, which is self-love. 
twisted, but it is. If you can't see a brother or a sister's need because you're buried in yours, you can't set yours aside for 10 seconds, then that's what he's talking about. There's a standard of love that he wants us to walk in. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. Why? Because they were convicted. The easy way was to observe the rituals. I mean, let's make it modern. Let's go to modern day. The modern day equivalent would be get up, make sure you're here at church, make sure you smile and you're friendly and you sing the songs, you know, and you say amen when the pastor says to say amen, amen. And then, you know, the rest of your week, eh, you do the best you can, but you come back in next Sunday to try and get yourself cleaned up so you, you know, that's the cycle. That's religion. But God wants relationship. But Jesus silenced them because the, the word was so piercing that love is the foundation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul is dealing with the Corinthian church. They moved in the gifts of the Spirit. I mean, they moved in the gifts of the Spirit. And this is another end day deception that you're going to see is there's going to be an emergence of ministries that move in the gifts of the Spirit, but they are not going to be based out of love. And there isn't going to be transformation or change. Let me be clear. When the gifts of the Spirit are active, they bring change. If there's no change, it's people having a spiritual hoedown. Well, that's not very nice, Pastor. I don't care. I've seen spiritual abuse at levels that, that literally people were scared to go to church. And because this balance wasn't in place. And Paul, he expresses it very clearly. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but I do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. So he's talking here about, you know, whether he speaks the other language of another man because God gave him the ability or the, or the gift of tongues, the intercessory gift of tongues, yet I don't have love and I don't love my brother, I'm just making noise. And I'm afraid that the church, by and large, has, has gotten to the point where it makes a lot of noise, but there's not the appropriate action that follows. That's why I'm so excited about our church in terms of getting ready to do missions. You see, even though finances are tight, ministry doesn't stop. But at the end of the day, when I, when I saw the, even the excitement over the, the mention of the trip today, that, that was exciting to me. Because I see God bringing those things out of the hearts of the body that is here. He says, if I have the gift of prophecy, which is the prophetic gift to encourage the body of Christ from, with words from God and can fathom all the mysteries and all knowledge. I mean, can you imagine being able to understand every mystery? Whew! I mean, how many of you know there's things in the Bible you read it and you're like, you just have to accept it because you, you can't wrap your head around it. Imagine if you could fathom all that. I mean, you could go to the depths of God's love. 
You could see his sea of forgetfulness. You could understand his omnipresence. Imagine being able to fathom all of that. And Paul says, you fathom all those mysteries and knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. Now, I would think you'd be worth like something, a nickel, a penny, a dime, but he says worth nothing. Because you see, what Paul's trying to preach and what I'm trying to articulate is that the mission of the church is to win people to Jesus. And we can't do that if we aren't doing it in love because that's what they respond to. Because the world has refused to understand what real love is. And I'm sorry, but real love is not meeting a guy or a girl and then hopping in the sack ten minutes later. That's not real love. Lust. Real love, man, respects. Real love prefers one over another. Real love says, I value you this much that I will never do this. And if you're married in the room and you took vows, you know what I'm talking about. And you probably even know the times that you didn't do it right. And you caused hurt to your spouse. When you become one, when you're married, here's something that's very powerful. When you hurt your spouse, you hurt yourself too. Because you're joined. I always wondered why if me and my wife ever had a disagreement and I, and I won because I was right. When I was right, I was still wrong. I was wrong because of how I got right. See, the how matters. The how matters. You can be 100% right and wrong at the same time. Because your motives are wrong, they're based on unrighteousness, they're, they're based on personal benefit, they're, they're revenge, you know, all of those things. Oh no, 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 Pastor, that's not what it is, it's, it's righteous anger. Friends, you don't understand righteous anger, neither do I. God does. And by the way, last time I checked, when you look at judgment in scripture, and this will really help your heart, there is no place where we are called to judge the eternal destiny of somebody else. That belongs to God. So if you understand that, then that means as long as they're breathing, they need Jesus. And so this morning, I want to continue down this road. He says, if I give all that I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Paul's like, you know, and there were, there, there, there were groups of monks in the early, early centuries that would crawl up thousands of stairs on their knees. And they would make it to the top and their knees would be bleeding because they were, they were creating intentional hardship to please God. Do you think God really cares if you crawl up a mountain on your knees? 
He's probably going, listen, I gave you only two knees, and once they're gone, back then they didn't have the bionic knees, you know. So I want us to be clear today, this is what love is. Love is patient. Wow. Well, how much would our world be different right now if just that principle was being adhered to? How about even in our own families at home? Or our church? Love just being patient. Because see, here's what I believe. We are all in the process of change. We're either getting better or worse, but we're always changing. And we're always growing, either better or worse. And that takes time. You know, I remember a friend of mine said this to me. He said, Dan, you're a senior pastor now, but you're still learning. You don't have it all figured out. And I never thought I did, but boy, when he said it, did it ever ring true. Because every day is a new day to learn. Love is patient. It goes on to say, love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. Love isn't proud. That doesn't sound very much like what's going on in our world right now, does it? You know, I've even heard, you know, People in the, in the biblical context talking about, you know, sometimes when you love somebody, you got to, mm. nah. You can, you can do this gently, or you can do this with a hammer, but you have to know there will be consequences on the other side of that. Relationships are fragile. How many of you know that? And especially what I'm noticing is now that we have these and people don't talk face to face, when they do have a verbal exchange, they get offended so much easier now. Our world is funny. It's, it's a really weird dynamic that's happened is that everyone's isolated now. Communication skills are low. Love, it does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Hello! <laughs> You know, married people, I love you, but you know, you, you know what happens. Things are good for a while, you have a fight, and you bring up 1974 all over again. I remember, don't you remember 1974 when you left a coffee and a chair and it burned a hole and then we had to get a plastic one? Some of you are going, wow, that's very detailed. Did that happen to you? No. I just made it up. But, again, I'll say that in every marriage in this room, you will go through a period of learning each other and understanding each other, and then that will begin to happen, and that will be a lesson you'll have to learn in marriage, is not keeping a record of wrongs. Because when you keep a record of wrongs, and you're keeping score, how does your partner ever get out from under it? you're still holding something over them that God has already said he forgave them for. Think about that for a minute. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Oh, amen. How does that play out in our world today? There's so much violence. There's so much anger. 
We as believers should never rejoice in that. It should make us sick. So friends, love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they'll cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. And when I was a child, I mean, remember those days, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. Man, I wish I could go back to that. You know, children aren't really critical, are they? They're not even cynical. For me, my dad was my hero. And I was trying to teach my kids what, what heroes are and what they are not. Because this world will define what a hero is. And right now I can tell you, the things that our world is celebrating as courageous and heroic is sick, twisted, dark, and evil. When I was a child, I taught like a child, thought like a child, reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection in a mirror. I love this illustration. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, and then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And these three remain, faith, hope, and love. He says it again. But the greatest of these is, what I love is that he, he literally says, like right now, we're only just seeing a reflection in the mirror of what is to come. How exciting is that? How exciting is it that you as a believer and Jesus Christ is in your life and we are only seeing a glimmer, just a glimmer of what is to come. And what we know in part, one day we will know in full, but I love the next part where he says, because it says that as I am fully known. So in other words, right now, while we're, we're in the process of not knowing and not being 100% sure, God knows you 100%. And he's fully invested in you. Fully invested in you. Maybe you know somebody that's really broken in this area. Bring them next week because I, I want to continue to talk about God's love. Proverbs 3, verses 3 and 4 now, I like how the word love and faithfulness go together. How many married couples would say they go together? Well, God says the same thing. Our love for Him and our faithfulness to Him are key. We can't say that we love Him and then try to live on our own. We can't say that we love Him and then embrace the ideologies of this world. There are groups that are trying to rewrite the Bible to reflect their ideologies today. He says, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Friend, here's the challenge today. You want to be a soul winner? You just have to love him be faithful. And he will make you a soul winner. People will be gravitated to you. They will come. God will bring them to you. Just be loving and faithful. Loving and faithful. How many would say, you know what? That's registering with my spirit today. I need that. I need to be more loving and more faithful. I don't want to pray for you right now. I'm going to let you go. 
Okay. Father, I thank you today for everybody that raised their hand. Lord, to be more loving and to be more faithful is one of the hardest things in the world to do. But you have called us in 2020 to love more. To love people who feel unloved, to love the unlovable, to love tangibly, to love spiritually, to love even physically, to love people the right way. And so Lord... I pray for those who raised their hand this morning and said that that is registering with my spirit, that God, you would be with them. And if there are some that were like I was years ago, and they need someone to walk into their life and to love them and to help them become whole, Father, I pray that you would put those people in their life. That God, you would show them who would be a good fit, a good match, a good connection to mentor them like my pastor was for me. Lord, I thank you, God, that you saw my heart and knew what I needed when I didn't. And that you see our hearts and you know what we need when we didn't. Lord, I pray you'd watch over us as we go. Bless us this week. Let us walk with love and favor. Lord, help us to be love in an angry world. Pray these things in Jesus' mighty, powerful, and precious name. And everybody said, Amen.